0: High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
2: Late
1: night, midnight on the interstate, and I didn't feel so great. Welcome back to Straight from the Source, Michael Russo. Now is the time to definitely subscribe to The Athletic, by the way. Theathletic.com slash Straight from the Source will get you in for 50% off. Opening night is Friday in Anaheim. And uh, back front end of back-to-back games The Wild play, the LA Kings So if you want to read uh, all our coverage Not just of uh, the Minnesota Wild But all your favorite teams throughout the league uh, Throughout all of uh, pro sports We got 600 uh, play- people on staff at the Athletic Now is the time to get in uh, and read all the stuff And do a lot of catching up for all the stuff you missed in training camp Again, the theathletic.com Straight from the source. My guest today, Dan Myers, wild.com Dan Myers um, We just both, Dan, came back from uh, Duluth where the Wild had a team bonding trip They jumped in Lake Superior They had 20 guys in a sauna Which I don't know if that sounds uh, Like something that would be uh, I guess it would be a good bonding experience yeah, Definitely a team building experience Doesn't sound
2: enjoyable to no, me at it doesn't. all But personally. it's probably better
1: but, than when uh, Miko Koivu took everybody to Sauna Island In Helsinki and they, <laughs> they spent an entire day On uh, like a bunch of naked dudes Out in uh, <laughs> on Sauna Island
2: Sauna Island <laughs> That's it's, the name
1: of it, Google it
2: well, I'm, yeah, you, the Finns all love their saunas. Like, they have saunas there like we yep. have bathrooms here. Yep. So, it's... Well, the, just, the Lake Superior thing, by the way, that doesn't sound appealing either. I had... Jumping uh, in the Lake my, Superior. Well, my wife and I went uh, and took some pictures, actually. We just celebrated our 12th anniversary the other night. So, we went Congrats. up and took some pictures. Thank you very much. Some pictures because we both love the North Shore. We took some along the beach and I just took some Lake Superior water to kind of wet my hair down in between photo sessions. And it's cold. It's cold. (laughs) Just dipping my hands in the water was cold. I can't imagine jumping in, probably right out of a sauna, I'd be jumping right into the sauna after that lake. Cause that is a, that's, that's a cold lake in July, much yeah. less, you know, you get into the middle of October. Yeah. No, thank you.
1: Yeah. Labor day uh, four years ago when I left the star tribune and, and went up uh, and took the job at the athletic, I went up to uh, Eric Stolhansky's cabin and his wonderful wife, uh, Barbara, and they live right off Lake Superior, North of uh, Duluth. And it is like, I mean, they, their place, it, we're talking, we're talking, Right on, like, Superior. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you can even have that anymore. And, um, and... I mean, the sound of the way it is, it is like the most relaxing place in the world. And just walking around Lake Superior on Canal Park this past week and just, you know, just sort of being there, there's just this tranquility to it. So I can see where the wild enjoyed it being in these cottages right on the lake and all that stuff. But the jumping into the lake thing, no, thank you, right before hockey season. <laughs>
2: I can't imagine jumping into like a normal sized lake right yeah. now in October, much less. The biggest like freshwater lake in certainly in this yeah. hemisphere, I'd, I'd say, but.
1: I was walking around like like that lake too, but that canal park here and some Mm -hmm. of those hotels actually have like outdoor saunas there. I mean, it's indoor saunas, but it's like these huts, like essentially right on the water. And it's pretty, uh, pretty neat. They got the, uh, you know, it's basically like you're on stage there though.
2: I I love Duluth. Duluth is just a fantastic place year round, but especially this time of year. And you saw driving up the North shore, the fall colors. I thought, you know, going up there that we were maybe going to be a week or two late. We were right on time yeah. the, uh, the fall colors is up there Right now If you get a chance And you're listening to this To get up there In the next couple of days uh, Take advantage of it Because yeah. it is
1: absolutely gorgeous Absolutely gorgeous I went to a golf course A little south of Duluth Called uh, Grandview mm-hmm. And um, Same thing I mean My god the, the leaves Like it, the scenery It's hard to even Pay attention to Like what you're doing And you're
2: not a big Outdoorsy kind of guy But no. even you enjoyed it
1: Yeah I did So that's
2: how you know It's good
1: It was a two cigar day For me Are too. you gonna be
2: uh, You'll be just basically Moving in at Stolhansky's Place once you retire Right That'll Pretty be kind of that's, your that's uh, the goal Nice quiet place To relax
1: <laughs> that's, that's You'll the still goal. find
2: a way To get stressed well, when though. I went up
1: there Four years ago It was a perfect time there Like I was I was uh, You know I, A lot of anxiety Leaving were, yeah. Leaving leaving the job and so they invited me up like oh when you come up here and uh, and and just kind of chillax De-compress and, uh, a little bit yeah yeah hung out with their dog coco love did you, coco. Did you jump in the lake and did you I go in the sauna i did not but i hung out and listen and we were right on the water and it was just an awesome awesome experience uh,
2: it sounds like an ocean i know marcus felino oh, yesterday yeah. said it looked like an ocean but it when is. you when you get those waves rolling on the lake and they crash up you know, you, you, you grew up, uh, up on an ocean or next to an ocean. Yep. It looks and sounds like an ocean once those waves get going. It is it is just one of those perfect times of year to crack the window at night and just let the let the waves crash in. It's, it is it is very and, peaceful and relaxing. And
1: it was interesting listening to the, the guys. Because this is stuff, it's like you almost, you know, you take it for granted that, well... Last year was such a weird year for them Where they were traveling And they had these strict protocols And they weren't allowed to have team dinners And you're like, all right, well, you know That actually is a great way to bond Because all they're doing is hanging out together at the hotel But they had these strict protocols Where a lot of times they weren't even allowed to hang out in a lounge They had to go eat in their, in their, in their their um, you know, in their room And either way, I mean, an experience like this When you're hanging out And, you know, as Marcus said Telling stories by the campfire and things like that You had the golf outing Where there's, you know, players versus staff And there was a lot of uh, uh, trash talking there as the players beat the staff apparently um, 65 that, I think yeah, was the score on that and that is the absolute that is the way to for teams to come close and you know I'm doing this season preview on Friday and that's one thing that Marcus Felino really talks a lot about in this story is that close teams win Stanley Cups yep. and you want to do that and that is clearly what Bill Guerin has tried to do the last couple of years is change everything about this team not just on the ice but the culture inside that locker room and make it more of a welcoming place and hand the keys over to, you know, the guys that have invested to being here forever, the Erickson X and the Spurgeons and the Flinos and the, and the uh, Brodines and those players, but also some of these young guys that can come in there and feel like this is their team and they could speak up if they feel like speaking up.
2: Well, I know, you know, we uh, we were both kind of subjected to Zoom calls last year, but we'd been in that dressing room for enough years beforehand to kind of, I think, guess at, at just how the, the tone and tenor of it was in there. Um, and and I can't speak for you. Maybe you'll agree with us. Maybe you'll disagree with it. But just being around it again this year and being back in there, there is a different feel around this group. I think there's a looser feel. There's you can sense. As Spurgeon
1: the, says, there's an energy.
2: There's an energy, and there's a different vibe. And it's again, this this isn't uh, meant as a cheap shot at eleven and twenty. And, you know, you know, they're leaders. They're veterans. But you can tell that there's just a difference in how the current leadership core leads. There's a different vibe to it. There's a younger vibe to it. And I'm, I'm the same exact age as, as Suter and Parisi. I'm mean, my birthdays right in the middle of both of them. And so I, I see how they lead because it's, you know, we come obviously very different backgrounds, but we come at it from kind of a similar age perspective. And you see how guys like, Foligno, but specifically Dumba and Brodeen and Erickson These these younger kids just have a different leadership style. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's permeated uh, really throughout the whole room. And it'll be kind of an interesting dynamic to see grow here as the season gets going.
1: Yeah, um, no doubt about that. And it, it's, you know, the one thing I will say to when we always talk like we always talk stuff like this is that they haven't lost a game yet, right? So that energy could disappear that's in very two true. days. <laughs> um, I mean, that's just the way it is. Yep. Everything's loose in training camp. The thi- the key now for them is to get out of vacation mode, And that is what Marcus Felino talked about after practice yesterday is that they, the entire league is playing right now. Yep. The wild still don't play till Friday. And so while, you know, they, uh, they, you know, not, no team had a bonding trip yesterday. The wild did the last two That was strange, and, yeah.
2: you know, coming home from, you know, I, you came home yesterday as well. This is being recorded here on Wednesday, Wednesday. Today. Yep. Gosh, and my days are all turned around, but, you know, it was strange coming back yesterday from Duluth and then a couple hours later turning on the TV and oh, well, here's a regular season game. We're going to watch the banner unveiling and, uh, you know, watch Seattle drop the puck on its, its first season. And it is strange, you know, sitting here, gosh, having to think about, gosh, what day is it? You know, is it Wednesday? And, oh, we're flying to California tomorrow. And then the season gets started and it's back to back games. And then, um, that is going to be a challenge. I think for this team is, you know, I, I, can't speak for up. sure, I wasn't. I wasn't at the actual bonding trip, but I imagine mm-hmm. a few uh, cold beverages were consumed uh, by a, at least a few of the guys yeah. on the team, and, well, and they certainly <laughs> sweated it out yesterday. But day off today, uh, you know, they're going to have to work to really get into that game yeah. mode, like you said. And even yesterday's
1: practice was not really a like that was not no that structure. Was, yeah, no. There was no it was no structure. Sure and tomorrow is going to be a quick tr- a quick practice. So they yeah, haven't a had a fight. so they yeah. haven't had a real quality practice before from. F- from Sunday to Friday. And, and it's and back-to-back
2: games this weekend. Exactly. So a- it's, it's, it's going to be a
1: challenge. And they're playing a team in Anaheim that's already going to have a game under their belt. So the Wild are going to have to quickly wake up on, uh, on Friday team, and a realize... A team in Los
2: Angeles, too, that's you know a big, heavy team that's yep. a very structured team. It's, it's going to be a difficult a, road trip. It's going to be one of those things where I think if you can go out and find a way to get two points here on, on this road trip, that'd be a, a solid start before coming home. And playing a Winnipeg team that... It, we haven't seen in quite a while. It'll be fun to see the Winnipeg Jets again because uh, a very skilled team, very talented team, and one of those rivals yeah. that it'll be really fun. Yeah. It was fun seeing them play Chicago again. It, it was so strange seeing that Blackhawks jersey you know, back in XL Energy Center and going back to the United Center last week. It's one of my favorite buildings.
1: Blackhawks are going to be an interesting team, Dan. Uh, a lot. Of, I got a lot of questions on Twitter asking us for our central look, and and first of all, we're going to see Winnipeg and. Scheife, by the way, perfect timing, his suspension will be off the off the book. He'll be ready to go. Um, but the Funny Chicago, how that works. Yeah, I know. But Chicago, I mean, you look at that team. I mean, they got Taves back who against the Wild look like Jonathan Taves. We know Patrick Kane. We know uh, DeBrinckit. He's probably going to have a big year. Tyler Johnson's there. They reinvented their blue line. They got the Vesna Trophy winner from last year. Um, this Chicago team is, is a team that can really make some noise.
2: I'll say this and I, I hate to admit it because he's on your fantasy hockey team but i uh, do people really know a lot about alex debrinkit because i think he's really underappreciated i didn't realize this last year he finished third in the league in goals yeah last year you know on a team that was what middle of the pack i think in, in a very hard division but you know watching that first line at the united center the other night with debrinkit kane and and tyler johnson size is not uh, their strength got, but there is yeah. a ton of speed a ton of skill. And Patrick Kane and Alex it looked like they were in midseason form just in terms of their chemistry and being able to find yeah. each other on the ice. Tyler Johnson, you know, has a chance, I think, to have a kind of a career resurgence if they if that line Playing sticks together. Those, yeah. Well, and then that pushes Jonathan Taves down to the second line. That pushes Kirby Zach. Doc down to the third line. And yep. all of a sudden that's a team down the middle. You know, teams are championship teams are built down the middle. You got the Vesna Trophy winner back there. Um, you know, a blue line that's young and improving and is very different looking than it was, you know, from the, mm-hmm. the dynasty years of yesteryear. Uh, I love what Chicago did in the offseason. Uh, I think they're going to be a, a really good team. I, I think in terms of the Central Colorado, I think we agree is the clear favorite. Uh, Arizona's probably the clear bottom team. I, I think Nashville's kind of on that bottom team. But Chicago, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Dallas, St. Louis, you, you could almost draw any of these teams out of a hat and You're make down. a case for them to finish in those two, three spots. And you'd think with the way the Pacific is – there's a good chance that we'll see two wild cards out of the Central as I well. I agree
1: with you there. I mean, you got to think Vegas is a guarantee, obviously, in that division. It's going to be interesting to see Edmonton. you you, know, you got one, two there. Smith coming off a great, great year. Um, and and do they have the depth now in Edmonton that could help lead them and, and complement the Drys Idols and the, and the McDavids? Although, there, Nova's,
2: although Novas Evan you know, Bouchard on the blue line yeah. back there, we like that.
1: Yep, no doubt. Um, but then you got Calgary. Uh, Markstrom, I got to think, is going to bounce back a bit. It. You got Vancouver Who's you know Who's I mean Besser I see Is practicing today And um, Edekman, Larson to that Right and line. Demko Is a rising star In net yep. um, Anaheim and San Jose Might struggle off The hop this year But they're going To eventually be uh, You know at least Anaheim I think Are going to build Themselves up LA is the interesting Team because they're In this like Rebuild mode But then they go Out and they add Guys like you know Deneau and uh, Arvidson And so it's They're not just Rebuilding I like Arvidson Yeah And it,
2: and it, it was too Bad to see what Happened to Quinton Byfield yep. you know, in the preseason because you want to talk about teams down the middle with Kopitar, Deneau, Byfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, They have a, a glut of centers and I'm with you on Anaheim. I think they're going to struggle early in the year but a lot of young talent in Anaheim too. It'll be interesting to see. That I think you know when you want to talk about the Jack Eichel sweepstakes and how that progresses, it'll be an interesting storyline to follow early in the year. Anaheim seems like one of those teams that if they want to make a move, they may be the best positioned of all of them because they have the cap space. They have a number of high-end prospects that I'm sure Buffalo would be interested in. That seems like a prime destination. You know, what kind of procedure Eichel ends up having, how quickly he can get back. Anaheim is a team, I think, uh, like you said, may struggle early, but one way or another, they're going to be a team that's going to be a lot better, I think, the second half of the yeah. year than they are and right I now.
1: And I think Bob Murray's contract situation in flux, so he could be in that, like, all right, I got to make a big, bold move. And and you're right. I mean, they've got so many prospects there where I just don't know if L.A. works. And, you know, Vegas, it, I think Peyton Krebs would have to be in the deal if it was Vegas because they obviously need help up the middle. But I don't know how you make the financials work there. Well,
2: you'd have to look at probably what Riley Smith's in a contract year. Uh, he's making, what, $5 million or mm-hmm. so. But, I mean, like you said, that's Riley Smith is, isn't going to move the needle much, I yeah, would say. I mean, yeah,
1: you just, re, you know, you have Stone there. and Patch Ready, They're signed forever there. Uh, you know, I just don't know how you make the, but the you know what? Angelo, Some, obviously.
2: Somehow, Mike, they, they, always, they always find a way to yeah. to wiggle in and, and
1: make these moves. Yeah. So you,
2: it's one of those teams with Kelly McCrimmon. You can never count out Vegas yeah. because yeah. he somehow works that magic and they yeah. find a way And If you'd have told me a couple years ago, they'd have been. The destination for Petrangelo yeah. in, in free agency I would have said no way but Calgary is another
1: team that's going to be interesting because Goudreau is also in a contract year and I don't know if they're going to bring him back and And so you know maybe you make the move there because they want to get better up the middle it'll be interesting the one team that we could assume is still out is is Minnesota um, you, you know and and frankly after watching them in training camp and seeing how good some of these kids can be Boldy Beckman um, Rossi and then the kids coming the who's and now some of these kids in college too are, are really good yeah that's to wonder if
2: that played a factor in you know because i know going into camp the the belief was that minnesota's probably still on the periphery of it right but you know i think you'd reported that minnesota's out now and you have to wonder if getting a look at these guys in camp and assuming you'd have to you know include a you know a Bowley or a rossi along with some picks and established players that make a lot of money You know, is the juice worth the squeeze at that point when you look at, okay, well, Adam Beckman is, you know, maybe a little closer than we thought. Matt Boldy is a little closer than maybe we thought. Marco Rossi looks like a guy that could contribute at some point this year. Who's Nadinov? I mean, gosh, it's a nightly highlight reel, it seems, on Twitter every time, you know, maybe you look at that and you reevaluate and you go, well, Eichel's not going to be a factor for most of this season anyway maybe you want to hang on to that depth to see what happens because as we know starting next year and especially 2 and 3 years from now they're going to need some of that cheap young talent to be big parts of this core and on the and stadium. that
1: to me is the biggest risk in in getting Eichel, too is that you're you're trading all like let's just say this year's a wash now he's got 4 years left on your deal and you're going to trade multiple first round picks and top prospects and get rid of Eight nine million dollars worth of salary and probably another trade. Then what do you have? And you only have them for four years. And you're just trading a couple twenty year old. Like it just makes very little sense to me well, on how and, that makes and sense.
2: The other thing too, that I think you have to remember is, you know, is this team one Jack Eichel away from being a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. contender?
1: Well, not if you get rid of everybody else. Too. No, and that's that's <laughs> the thing. Like if
2: you could, you know, if you if the salary were a little different on this team, if they were structured differently, if you didn't have to worry about you know, 12 to $14 million the next three years. If you had more room right now where you could bring in Eichel and still keep Caprice off, Fiala, uh, you know, obviously you're not moving Caprice off for him, but keep a Fiala and a Dumba and, and all this other talent around. Mm-hmm. I think it maybe be different if you were just moving only futures, if you had that flexibility, like an Anaheim, um, but you're not, yeah. and you just, you're going to be playing essentially kind of with one hand tied behind your back from a salary perspective, as we've said, you need the the Beckmans and the Boldies and the Rossies and the Who's You need those guys to not only be players on this team, but to be impactful players two and three years from mm-hmm. now if you want to be a contender. And I think they can be. And uh, you know, the wild certainly needs them to be if they want to get to where they're going.
1: And and the other thing with errors, too, is that you are getting a guy that needs to have surgery. So, it's not even that you're, if you count this year as a wash, you don't know what he's going to return like. I mean, he's going to be off the ice for a long time. Is he the same player? Does, you know, I don't want to say damaged goods because Jack Eichel is an all-world player, but you you get what I'm saying. Yep. It's a huge risk. And and again, it'd be different if you could throw the Fialas into the trade. But but I, if you're Buffalo, why you, you know, as good a Player as Fiala is, Fiala's got one year left on his deal, and then another year before UFA. Why would Kevin Fiala resign in Buffalo? Not, not just that they're. They've been a perennial loser, but but the way they're treating a player right now, like, I don't think they're going to be a desti- – not that they were a destination before, but I can't imagine they're going to be a big destination now for any NHL free agent for a long time, the way that Jack Eichel has been treated here. So, same thing. It's like, you know, we always say it's got to be – we're assuming – and when I say where, I'm mostly talking me because Dan obviously, uh, you know, works for the team and things like that. But I've always assumed now when you look at the wild salary structure that it, when they make trades here to free up money in the next couple of years, it's going to have to be a Greenway and or Fiala, you know, probably two or three of those guys. and. That's not going to happen in that trade. And and so now you're putting them in another trade. It just it makes no sense. Um, and again, the re- what I'm saying is that Buffalo just I can't imagine they're gonna want somebody without a lot of term left in a deal that has a lot of money because they've got to make sure that they're gonna re-sign that player if you're giving up an asset like Eichel.
2: Well, I agree with your with the names you tossed out, I think, are the logical ones, but you know, a big part of that for the wild is gonna be how does Adam Beckman turn out? How mm-hmm. does Marco Rossi? How does Matt Boldy? How do all these guys turn out? Because, you know, you, you hope, and they certainly look like Beckman and Boldy, for example. Two left wingers look like they're going to be very good young players, but there isn't a spot for them right now. So, I mean, not only are you going to have to bring them up, you're going to have to free up spots. And so I think those are the logical contenders. But you're yeah. you're spot on, and it'll be... Uh, Certainly interesting to see how this all turns out. I think you know some of the long term ramifications with ICO and, and like you said, with just how they're choosing to do business, and that's their choice. That's yep. that's their option. But you know, when you you think about Buffalo, um, not nothing against the city of Buffalo. I, I you know I enjoy the city of Buffalo when we're there. The the one or two days a year we're there, it's fine. Not a destination place like a Southern California or New York City or Chicago, a place like that. You know, they struggle, I think, enough just to get headliner free agents. But then when you see how they're treating, you know, maybe their biggest star they've had there in in a long, long time, that's not going to help.
1: And absolutely. And players are starting to talk about we saw Robin Leonard in in probably a way that he now regrets doing it, but publicly uh, create putting this message out. Uh, a week ago about the way that they're treating Jack Eichel. I had Marcus Felino on my podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago as well, Who and he is, respects Eichel really well. Also says that the perception that he's a bad guy is is absolutely misreported as well. I don't know Eichel really at all, but that's from a former teammate of his and somebody that respects him. I think we could all agree that if Marcus Foligno likes you, he's probably means that he, you're a good dude who's Marcus... Uh, Pretty <laughs> Marcus good judge is, of character. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, that, that'll be interesting, and and to get back to the money issue with the Wild and the reason why I bring those three guys out of the hat is that, look, the Wild have $15.5 million worth of cap space going into next season and then, you know with the first rear of the real big dead money of Parisian and Suter. And yet, Galagoski is going to probably get extended. Fiala's got one year left on his deal. Greenway's got one year left on his deal. Kacken's got one year left on his deal. Nico Sturm is a pending unrestricted free agent. Those pegs don't all fit, and yep. so th- those guys we we know that at, a couple of those guys are probably Did you moving Talbot in that list? Um, no, Talbot Tal- at least got one year yeah, left. He's got one year yeah, left. Yeah. I mean,
2: but I mean that decision is coming. Yeah. down faster, the faster. Yeah. and and the number one goalie and and you know I think clearly they hope Jesper Walstead's the number one guy. I think for the future, but is he going to be the number one guy in two years? No. He certainly can't count on that. Yeah. He could be here and, and yeah. be a part of the the equation and the solution, but number one goalies don't yep. come cheap and that's going to be something this team's gonna to have to worry about
1: two years from now. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a quick break and I'll be back, right back with Dan Myers.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with
0: 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover,
1: Let's talk about uh, this team a little bit. Uh, first line: Erickson Ek playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Um, I went into training camp uh, excited to see what that looked like. Um, but had my doubts on whether or not he would fit, just based on the type of player he is—not exactly a playmaker or all that stuff—and and also wondered, you know, how long would Dean Evason, uh go before he says, you know, I'm going to go back to the comfort of knowing that Felino and Greenway and Eric Snack were so good the last year and year and a half. Um, but so far in camp, they—and by the way, Dean has also echoed that, where Dean said that he was curious to see if Eric Snack was going to change his uh, way that he's played it. So far, we haven't seen it. Training camp's training camp. Exhibition games or exhibition games. The proof will be in the pudding once the regular season begins. But right now, it does look like Erickson Eck has not changed the way that he has played on that line, which I think is the most important thing. If Erickson Eck started to be on that line and said, I got to give Corral the puck every second. I got to give Zuccarello. war. You know, I'm as talented as Kirill and Zook. I can make all sorts of fancy plays and start to change what is his bread and butter, which is driving the net, net front, going to the dirty areas, being an absolute ass to play against. Um, you know, that would be a problem if he had changed that. But we have seen him play the same style and complement those two now. Do you think that it will work in the regular season? And have you been even surprised that Erickson X so far it looks like that will fit?
2: One of my favorite developments so far of training camp has been the kind of the behind the scenes sniping at Eric neck from guys like Felino now <laughs> that uh, Eric Sinek has signed his long-term contract making fun of his haircut uh, as you said kind of being an ass to play against i was intrigued going into camp because uh, i was wondering kind of the same thing is he going to change his style of play try to become more of a playmaker more of a distributor which is something we haven't really seen from him i'm sure he has that in his game, I mean, he was, he was a very talented player coming out of Sweden. He's a first-round draft pick. He's posted points. He had a great year last year. And then I kind of wondered, well, how is if he doesn't change his game, how is that going to mesh with the playmaking chemistry that Zuccarello and Caprisov have? And it actually, now that I've seen it, and again, it's preseason and it's practice. But now that I've seen it, it actually works really well. I think Dean Everson mentioned to me, it was last week, Erickson X tendency is to go right to the front of the net, which is good because it, you know, he can provide a little bit of screen. He can provide some traffic in front. But what it also does is it actually opens up more ice, you know, on top of the faceoff circles, uh, you know, between the hash marks and the blue line. It opens up more ice for guys like Kaprizov and Zuccarello to sort of work their magic and, and move the puck a little bit more and involve the defenseman a little bit more. And it works out really, really well. I'll be interested to see if that trend continues. And a big part of that equation, too, is like you said, that Ericksonek Felino Greenway line worked out so well last year where we're gonna see a dip going from Ericksonek to Hartman and preseason and training camp so far. Hartman looks like a natural mm-hmm. in that spot. Um, and I think they have options beyond Hartman if, if he were to get hurt or if there was an effectiveness. I think Nico Sturm would be a guy that could Easily. very naturally move up and play sort of that Eriksson-type role. Or so, Freddie Goudreau. Or Freddie Goudreau. move Nico
1: up to the Fiala line. For that, man, yeah. I,
2: I, one of the things I would really like to see at some point this season, I don't know if we will, is I'd like to see a little more run from Nico Sturm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really impressed with the way he played last year. I thought he took advantage of uh, you know the limited opportunities that he had. I, I don't remember what do you have 10 goals or 11, 11 goals? goals and
1: 10 and a half minutes I mean, of ice time yeah, of game. I mean,
2: that's you know that's pretty darn good now is he going to go score 30 goals being in a top six role no does he belong in a top six role no but i think if he were to play second or third line minutes in a pinch he could be a guy that could score 15 to 20 goals for this team but going back to the initial question uh eric sinek providing some of that grit uh the ability to maybe provide a screen bang home a rebound um i'm going to be really interested to see how zuccarello um, finds a way to get him involved in front of the net. Because you know Zuccarello, with the way he sees the game and the way he's able to get the puck to Kaprizov, he has something in mind in how he wants to get Eric Sinek involved. And I think he could be sitting on a really and, good year. And,
1: and, and, exactly. And, and that is that is what I I hope from Carrillo and, and Zuccarello, is it can't be a two-man game and just have Eric Sinek go to the net. Um, because... Erickson has scored 19 goals in 50 something games last year and it wasn't just scoring no off reba- and yeah, and it wasn't just scoring off rebounds and deflections. He, he was sniping pucks yep. and so he deserves that ability and hopefully he remembers and he could take that shot too. You don't always have to pass it off and that is going to be the biggest uh, thing, but I loved like that one preseason game where um, they let I, I can't remember who made the head man pass out, but all of a sudden Zuccarello and Kaprizov wound up in the right corner of the rink at, at home digging the puck out and the puck wound up out on Jonas Brodin's stick off a great pass by Kaprizov. And where was Eric Eck? Just at the net. And then I wound up rewinding the replay. And when those guys flew into the zone to go get the puck, Eric be beeline to the net. Yep. So that is exactly what they want from him. Um, and but, I think
2: Eric Eck's speed in between mm-hmm. those two as well is going to offer more opportunities off the rush maybe mm-hmm. for that group than if you had a guy like Victor Rask in there who... Uh, with all due respect to his game, you know, speed isn't really mm-hmm. his M.O. Uh, you know, he, he can, uh, you know, play with the puck a little bit. But Eric Sinek is one of the faster guys on this team. And I think having that speed, yep. it could really help push the pace for those two. With
1: him. Sp- speaking of speed, uh, Rem Pitlick, um, I was talking to Rem yesterday at, uh, at um, in the in the bottom of uh, Amsoil Arena. And, um, you know, super nice guy. Um and he is in a position where I think he can make an impact on this team. I don't think he's going to be in the opening night lineup. I, I think that, you know, Dean has has pointed out that it is really tough for this kid. He's claimed off waivers. He's literally one practice. Then they go to Chicago, play the game. You know, he's all the system work thrown at him. And then what happens the next day, they get back on Sunday and Victor Rask is back on that line. And so you wonder if they're just putting Victor there. You know, you're the veteran. You're playing opening night. Yep. Rem... Whole, you know, bide your time for a little bit. Maybe you play him in the second of a back to back. You know, mm-hmm. you just mentioned Victor's legs. Maybe that's a way to really run these two is, is for now, you know, you play Victor on the one game, but, you know, second of a back to back where he might not be as effective. You throw Rem in there to debut, uh, make his wild debut on, on Saturday night in LA. And then maybe Rem could get some traction and wind up in the lineup. Um, the other option is Brandon Duhay made the team. Maybe you play Brandon against rugged guys, and maybe against sk- rugged teams like LA. But maybe more skilled teams. That's when you throw Rem Pitlick in there because I think Rem they 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 got him to play him. The question is, where is it going to be? Um, I th- I still think that Rem Pitlick could be a lifeline in a lot of ways for Kevin Fiala, who needs a skilled guy in that line. I yep. mean, Victor is skilled, but sometimes he can't keep up or he's not ready for that pass that Kevin, because he flies so so far into the zone. And Freddie right now, so far, doesn't has not shown to me that he's got any offensive ability whatsoever. <laughs> he has five regular season goals since he scored three in the Stanley Cup final in 2017. So th- th- and he's just being handed the ability to play with Kevin Fiala and power play time. So, you know, I think that Rem could be somebody that could help complement Kevin because he could keep up with Kevin and that speed and that skill could help Kevin. It'll be interesting to see if they go with that route at some point.
2: Well, and you know, I mean, skill players like Kevin Fiala see the game a certain way. And if you're not as skilled as a guy like Kevin Fiala, and there aren't very many guys on this team that are, you see the game and you play the game very differently. Rem Pitlick, is certainly not as established as Kevin Fiala, but he's an offensive guy. And you'd think he sees the game and plays the game the same way Fiala does. And just watching Kevin Fiala in the preseason, I don't know if you've noticed this, he's playing pissed right now. Like yeah. he, he, it is so he, obvious. Bill Guerin, Bill Guerin said when they signed him to the one-year deal that he, that he hopes that he – you know, comes in and is motivated and, and kind of proves him wrong. And I I think Kevin Fiala is doing that right now. He's been really, really impressive in all facets. I mean, he's been killing penalties and stuff in the preseason. He's actually looked really good killing penalties. He had a really active stick uh, the other night in Chicago, for example. Like I, I was kind of one of the few moments where I was really paying close attention after about the midway point of the game where I think everyone stopped paying attention. But um, he looks like he could be sitting on a really, really good year. And if they can find someone, whether it's Rask, whether it's Goudreau, whether it's Pitlick, whether it's Duhame, uh, eventually whether it's Beckman or Boldy or Rossi, to kind of compliment him and and find a way to just get the puck to him in scoring areas, uh, he looks like a guy that is certainly motivated. And that's, that's what... Billy Guerin
1: wanted when when they agreed to that one-year extension here over the summer. A hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I, I do hope that he's not overall pissed because even off the ice at times, like yesterday off the ice, just well, he didn't seem very happy when he was just walking around the bowels of Amsoil Arena. He's one of those guys they, that
2: he walks a very uh, distinct line. And yeah. Dean Evison has said this in the past. Like, you need him to play on that edge. Yeah. Uh, he's at his best when he's playing on that edge, but he's also gotten himself into trouble when he goes a half step too far. And we saw it, uh, was it last year where he, he got the three game suspension Uh, for the hit from behind where he just he took a half step too far and then he was out for three games or you know if he takes a half step too far you know in an offensive fashion he maybe turns the puck over and it's a two on one and ends up going the other way so he has to play that line very carefully
1: and that line I think has a tendency to be crossed in large part because I think he sometimes feels like he has to do everything alone on his his line and um, he's coming off a frustrated playoff series where he had tons of chances but not a lot of production obviously I, you know, I preface that, um, you know, the caveat to that is game six, he was outstanding and got them to a game seven essentially, but he tons of chances like he should have, you know, he should have had 10 goals in the playoff series. He, he just wound up producing a game six. And what a little concerning to me is that we're seeing that again now in the preseason where he's getting these chances and chances. And you're like, wow, this is great. But then at the end of the night, you're looking and you're like, well, he didn't score. He, and he only created in this situation, you know, and and not with even strength with his line mates. So that's going to be something to pay attention to this year because, um, because as we know, Zuccarello and Kaprizov are not leaving each other's side. So who is going to be, um, you know, on that left side? The other option to me, the other thing to me, that's going to be curious to watch is how it does feel like Freddie Gujo has just been not penciled in, pinned into that line. He started there, he hasn't left there Despite the fact That that he hasn't Produced yet Now he might uh, We haven't seen The best of him I'm sure um, But you know When do you make That maybe move Do you You know Putting a Nico Stern There or, or calling up a Rossi Or, or something To give or this guy Maybe you, know, you put Victor Rask there Yeah the, or, the or, you're exactly Right yep. You know um, it, It's just going to be uh, Ren Pitlick has Played center before the, um, the interesting
2: part For me with Fiala In terms of How the overall Depth of this team Is going to affect That Is you know the caprice offline line is going to get the attention of every opponent's top checking line right and you would think that the felino line uh, you know with hartman and greenway dean's going to try and deploy them against the other team's best offensive line which now puts Kevin Fiala and whoever he's playing with in a position where he's probably going against another team's third or fourth line. Mm-hmm. So the chances are going to be there. He's going to get opportunities to score. It's going to be a matter of him walking that line and and finding guys, as we've said, we've listed all of them, finding guys that can play with him to help supplement some of those scoring chances and create those scoring chances. Because from a matchup standpoint, Kevin Fiala is going to get opportunities against lesser players. There's no question about that, I don't think. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of whether he can find a way to capitalize on these opportunities. And if he can, the Wilds going to be a much deeper team and a much better team because of it.
1: Yeah, um, let's go at blue line now. Um, Galagoski and Spurgeon look like they could be really good together. Uh, Galagoski, um, you know uh, the Brian Suter replacement there plays the game a different way, though. Um, you know he plays the game like in a faster way. Um, it, where Ryan, I, I've said this before, Ryan. And I think he's a fabulous defenseman. But he sometimes almost dictates the pace of a hockey game because he he slows things down. He's almost like that quarterback that drops back into the pocket. Very methodical. Yeah, methodical. And the Wild want to play fast, fast, fast. Um, And because he used to get 30 minutes a night, it really dictated a lot of the way the style uh, of the team plays. Because even when he's not off the ice, you're sort of catching up on your next rotations, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Where Goligoski plays, um, you know, more of a, a fast style. Um, he, uh, Spurgeon says he's super easy to play with um, you know offensively I think that that I, I I think Ryan Suter makes one of the best first passes in the NHL he can headman pucks. pucks um, you know he he's got that type of vision Galagasi is a bit of a different type of player but he can move the puck he's poised and he plays pretty robotic as well
2: I think it'll be that's another interesting one for me to watch over the course of the season I think with all due respect to the game Ryan Suter brings, and you just talked about it, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, a world-class defenseman in his own right, for sure. I think changing that up could be maybe the best thing that happens for Jared Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. I think he could just be uh, – you know, those two have, have looked great. I, I think he could be you know, sitting on a really nice year offensively. You think he'll probably get – Maybe a little more run on the power play than, than he has in years past, but a guy who, you know, for a long time was someone you could count on to score 10 to 13 goals from the back end, Spurgeon. And this was, you know, three, four years ago, but I think he has that ability in him. Golgoski's a guy who could probably score 10 goals mm-hmm. this year. It's funny with Ryan Suter, you could always count on, you could you could probably pick, what, seven to eight goals And about 48 points. Like that was what he did every single year and you could count on it. Um, But I think there were defensive areas of his game that were starting to manifest a little bit where I think Jared Spurgeon, especially the last year or two, has had to backtrack more and, and sort of cover up some of those some of those lapses, why I don't know. I think ever, right, since, he had speed, that, no. ever, ever since he had that foot injury in Dallas, yeah. I mean the foot speed has not been there. Uh, it's not to say he's not a, he's still a very good player. He is, um, but I think Spurgeon's had to cover up some of those some of those uh, weaknesses the last couple of years, especially Alex Galagoski doesn't have that problem. He's uh, getting up and down the ice very easily. So I think Jared Spurgeon, without having to worry as much about that, we may see a guy that we saw four or five years ago before we, you know, we saw some of those speed issues with Suter come up. Uh, Jonas Brodine is a guy who, who I'm really eager to watch this year. Was fantastic last year. It scored nine goals. I think the, the Wild had always believed he had sort of this offensive ability, but it never tapped into it. And he was able to do that last year. And I'll be curious to see if he gets any more time on the power play uh, and, and how those offensive numbers, if he's able to build on those moving into this year. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh Dumb is the one I want to see too. Will he be yep. better? Uh, um, you know, I don't think he had a uh, – you know, I, I just – there were times last year where he was erratic but good and and I think he wants to be more of an offensive threat. Might be difficult if he's going to be on that second power play unit as opposed to the first. I'm always surprised that he's not the guy on that first one. We saw that
2: from Matt Dumba that that 32 game stretch yeah. a couple of years ago,
1: you know, in the in the
2: pandemic yeah. shortened season where you know, he was on a Norris-type pace through 32 games. You're talking about a guy who was on pace to score like 35 goals. And that doesn't happen right. very often. A, a defenseman doing that. Now, was that pace unsustainable? Probably. No. But at the very least, he was looking to score 20 to 25 goals. Mm-hmm. And so you that know was it's That was pre-pandemic, there. right? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was in yeah. December of 2019 yep, that he got yep, hurt, right? Yep. It seems like five years ago now, yeah. but so we've seen it over not just a five or 10 game stretch, but a 32 game stretch. And you know, it's there and you, you saw it almost coming in the years before that. And he just hasn't been able to recapture that for one reason or another, whether it was coming back in the bubble it's still not being a hundred percent you know you know another weird off season and then last year a shortened year so it'll be interesting to see with an 82 game year more of a still not a traditional off season but more of a traditional off season if he can be that guy that more closely resembles the guy who scored twelve goals in thirty-two games a yep, couple 12 years ago,
1: and that was actually the year before the pandemic. Twenty eighteen, December twenty eighteen. The, the, Everything the, is all the pandemic was short in Anaheim when I guaranteed to everybody that the that the NHL would never play in front of empty buildings.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and that uh, I've told you this story, but I that, want that podcast that to be
1: like removed Wednesday, from the athletic archives.
2: That Wednesday, so the the world as we all know it shut down on a Wednesday night is when the NBA canceled its season. The Wild was scheduled to play the Vegas Golden Knights that Thursday at the X. That game got canceled. We practiced at TRIA that Wednesday, and Kevin Gorg and Anthony LePanta and myself were there Wednesday morning. Just, and uh, just to
1: interrupt you, when Dan says we, remember, he works for the team. Yes. Yeah, like well, no, we I was practiced. saying
2: we, we, like us scribes, we're all sitting there, and oh, me okay. and Gorg and LaPanta were huddled, and we were talking about this, you know, COVID thing, you know, it's starting to, you know, start rearing its ugly head. And this is Wednesday morning. And and we're talking like, gosh, by the end of the month, we might be playing in front of empty buildings. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. by the end of the month. Well, that night, like 12 hours later, the world is shutting down the next day. We're, I did a- that Wednesday, I, I, it was insane. I'll never forget this as long as I live, especially being in the media. And I'm sure you remember this, how quickly, the news cycle was moving that Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, it went from, you know, we're at 11 o'clock uh, by the, you know, 14 days from now, we might be playing in front of empty buildings to 12 hours later, the NBA is shutting down. Yeah. And by the next day, it the was, whole, the whole a, sports
1: world. Yeah, shut I did down. a podcast that night on my other podcast with Suhan over at a restaurant in, in Savage. And, um, I think Savage and, uh, shock savage here, yep. And, uh, the, we wrap up the podcast and that's when the notification came out at like six or seven o'clock that the NBA had shut down. So I'm driving home and the phone rings and a player uh, called me who's no longer on this team. Um, I now, bet I know who it is. Yeah who now plays for the Islanders. Um, so, uh, you know, he called me and he's like, what is going on? And I'm like, I think that tomorrow you're not playing against the Vegas Golden Knights. He goes, yeah, I don't see how, like, because he just knew that the NHL was going to follow suit with the NBA. Right. The, you know, everything that happened with, uh, who was the guy on the, on the Oklahoma Thunder? Or he was at Utah Jazz. It was
2: uh, Gobert, Rudy Gobert. Gobert, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, he was
2: like touching everyone's yeah, digital record. I mean, they
1: had just played like three straight games in yep. NHL buildings. I think like, you know, Jersey, Um, you know, maybe Brooklyn or Jersey, like definitely Detroit. Because mm-hmm. Carolina was just In their locker room And you just knew That the NHL Was going to follow suit And that morning I mean we got the Immediately don't show up At the morning skate We'll find out A decision on this And you just knew That they were going To suspend the season um, and, I, and I was thinking Like holy crap Four days before We're in Anaheim And I'm guaranteeing I'm like you know, I'm basically like Googling what COVID-19 even is that, <laughs> yep. I mean that's A little exaggeration but, but remember When we were in San Jose And we went to The Barracuda game A couple days before You know there was that, um, The Santa Clara Health Department and yep. came out and said that we're recommending that the Minnesota Wild and San Jose Sharks don't play uh, yep. uh, ten, uh, tonight. It was because it was that day. That and was the I, first I time. Yeah. I emailed somebody from the league. I said, Hey, uh, this is being recommended by the public health department out here in San Jose. And he wrote me back in a second he goes, Well, we're not canceling the game.
2: That was the first time where I think for us that's where it really yeah. hit home. Was, okay, yep. this, you know, because it, it was always, you know, when we we get into the zone of when we're in, in hockey mode, you know, you might hear about the news and it's kind of just buzzing going on. But that's where it brought it full circle, where it's like, oh, okay, this is actually real here. And I, even then, Mm -hmm. less than a week, that was, I think, five days before the season shut down. It was, there was no way we could have imagined what was coming for us, you know, and not just us, but society five days later. And, you know, the Masters is shutting down and golf is shutting down and, you know, auto racing and soccer. I mean, everything shut down. It was
1: insane. Yeah. I mean, uh, and remember, like, the league, what they were trying to do to react on the fly, the dumb, stupid keeping stuff the they media were out of the, the best part room. was keeping the media out of the dressing room and having the players after the game come into the hallway where there's with, a thousand with, people. Where there's a thousand people that they don't even know. I remember we're interviewing was it Jared Spurgeon or Fiala? Oh, it was Fiala. Fiala had this monster game in in Anaheim where he scores the overtime winner, the mm-hmm. last goal of that season for the Wild, and they call they pull P- Fiala out into. To the hallway and we're Interviewing him closer than we Ever would have been in the locker room because we're We had to sandwich ourselves yep. up Until Fiala's face Tiny because there, there are equipment guys going around with the Stuff but the best one was Fiala Being almost pushed by a you know Essentially a, a janitor with a mop You know and like just And you know here's a guy in his Sweats and it's like you couldn't Have been less socially distanced yeah. and 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 I'm just like This is insane and it was all for optics and the league just doing stuff on the fly with no medical advice and it the was just, early days of COVID the oh, wild the wild crazy. The west it, of, it really was COVID. but remember the early days of COVID I, I still got like 5,000 gloves in my yep. uh, pantry over there because like remember you had to walk everywhere with gloves well you're still yeah. uh, you're still going through all the toilet paper here that you yeah, poured, yeah, I have I do have last about, March. Yeah, I do I have Your like whole thousand full. Uh, uh, d- d- you know we veered way off and, the track
2: here but yeah we should we could do a podcast just about that whole week I know I mean we were in California I remember and this will be the last thing I swear but we walked into the Honda Center for that last game and we walk in the doors and I look to the right and there's the Ottawa Senators bags just stacked all the yep. way up to the ceiling and I didn't think twice of it but they were kind of shadowing us up the west coast yeah. they were in San Jose LA Anaheim the same time we were we were just kind of flipping around well a week after the whole league shuts down Ottawa has a COVID outbreak yep and Colorado may have had one too but then you get to think it's like gosh we were just in all the same buildings we we're just trading places with ottawa yeah. up and down the west coast i for think the last, last week. game
1: was in san jose if i remember correctly yeah, it um, was yeah.
2: it was just Crazy! It's yeah. it's one of those things that well, I'm
1: still convinced the Wild and the Blues got the mumps in, in Anaheim because that's where remember it, that's where we were when uh, when they, all of a sudden both teams the first time had the mumps. Um, they stayed at the same hotels. Getting you know, the, the mumps from, from
2: Anaheim and Ottawa's getting COVID from Anaheim, and yeah. I'm sure it'll be really fun going to Anaheim here. To I start know the, yeah, the
1: Ducks weren't very happy that I uh, <laughs> I, I, I hypothesized were. Uh, no, you are a mumps. medical expert. I am. I am. Um, so uh, so. So it was a good distraction to keep from talking about the third pair. <laughs> oh, no, no, come on. Um, so third pair is the concern of the team to me. Um, and, and look, you know, I, I talked to Billy Guerin today, actually. And, and Billy, you know, again, uh, poo-pooing the idea that this is a concern because I asked him point blank. Like, are, you know, last year, you recognized very early on that you had a problem at, at 60 and you went out after game one the next day and Mm -hmm. acquired Ian Cole. So will you kind of same thing monitor that this year? And if all of a sudden you feel like uh, a Kulikov slash Merrill slash Ben third pair is not getting it done, would you go out and try to make that move? Um, you know, go out, acquire either a defenseman or buy time for Kalen Addison or call up... You know, we keep on hearing from Dean Evason that they feel they got, you know, 9, 10, 11 guys in the system that could play NHL games. So, you got four or five guys down in Iowa that you can that they think that they can play NHL games. The is the, the Lazat's. the, is Hicketts a D? Joe Hicketts, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, you one know, of the Cameron nicest, Addison. one of the nicest guys in the world, um, by the way. Who am I forgetting, too? Right? Mermes, Addison, Hicketts, Lazat. There's one other D that uh, Dean always lumps in with those guys. Um, Sounds about right to me. Yeah.
2: I mean, if you're getting beyond that, then it's yeah. getting awfully thin. But, but I, mean, I feel like there's
1: somebody obvious that I'm not thinking of. Ultimately, but, um,
2: you know, what what happened on the first day of free agency is is unfortunate because I think there was an interest on the wilds. And I'm not probably breaking any news here in, in bringing Ian Cole back. You know, you know, yeah. Billy's long I've loved Ian Cole. Him. And... uh you know, I think Ian Cole would have loved to have been back, but just with what uh, what the Wild prioritized on that day. I bet
1: you if Nick Foligno said no two hours earlier, yep. Ian Cole would be on the Wild. Right and
2: I, I can't say I disagree. And that probably would change the entire look of the blue line because now you're you're putting that. 2 million plus dollars into Ian Cole and you know, what does that do with Kulikov? It probably changes the arithmetic all the way around. And of course, you know, Seattle taking Carson Susie, and the expansion draft was sort of out of the wilds control there. So, uh, I I was impressed with Kulikov during the preseason and the exhibition season, and I had asked Dean about that last week. Uh, he showed a little bit more offensive punch than I was expecting mm-hmm. watching him, and we saw him get, because it was preseason, he was able to get a little bit of power play time where he was able to show some of that offensive skill. Now, I don't think he's going to be playing much power play this year, but at least you know he has it. The, the real question is going to be, you know, What's next to Kulikov? Cool and whether it's John Merrill, whether it's Jordy Ben, I swear I'm going to say Jamie Ben like 20 times this year, um, or Kalen Addison down the line, that's going to be, I think, the big thing for the Wild. And the good news is they have a couple guys back there in Merrill and Ben. If one guy's playing well, you can just sort of ride the hot hand. Uh, If one guy's struggling, you can maybe take him out of the Mm -hmm. lineup. Or if they're both playing well, then you have a nice competition there between vets and two guys that are sort of used to being in that position. So I don't think there's going to be any hurt feelings if a guy's, you know, in an extended stretch where he's the seventh D-man. And I think Kalen Addison, Kalen Addison, I was really impressed with uh, some of the work he did in the exhibition season, got a taste last year. You, you have to think he's going to go down to Iowa and have a really good start with the amount of minutes and the situations he's going to be playing in. So, uh, competition is good. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what is going to drive this whole thing is that guys are going to have to be motivated to play. Yep. And uh, if everyone's healthy, you know, there, there's veteran guys, there's experienced guys back there, but there's no doubt. Uh, a guy like Jordy Ben, you know, struggled the last couple of games of the preseason. He's going to have to be better. But, I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, I need to see it in the regular season first before I'm going to really get too concerned about how a guy, especially a guy with 500 games in the league, played uh, in a couple of late exhibition games. I
1: I think that if it's true that Billy, like Rossi and Beckman, wants Addison to play down there for a while just based on his age, although, again, Addison is older and has more professional hockey experience, um, you know, I think that the only real – Remedy if these guys struggle would be a trade, and and it'll be just interesting because the other guy, by the way, as Kevin Kuzman was the one I was thinking of, he's only played 15 Churchman. NHL games. Churchman. Churchman, okay, another so, one of the
2: nicest guys in the world. And I think a big so, part of this, and too, and with he, Addison, by the way, is
1: 15 NHL games, two since 2013 14. One so of the so big he's not things exactly with
2: Addison, too, is you know that timeline might get expedited if the wild power play comes out and looks like it did last season. And Dean Edison's looking for some sort of spark on the back end. Mm. He may have no choice if Addison's down in Iowa playing well. You know, maybe that's the first switch you try and make. Yeah. But I, I, I agree. I, ultimately, the best thing yeah. for Addison is to play big minutes down yeah. in Iowa right. and let him kind of matured on there. Yeah.
1: And the power play, I will say, right. like if if the number one unit for some reason is in a blip to me, throw a dumbbell on there, put Spurgeon on with with on the second unit. You got Brodeen, you got Galagoski. I mean, right now it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, there's because, a lot of options. Yeah, I and mean, right now one of Galagoski or Brodeen is not going to be on the power play, or they're gonna be rotating every game. Well, Galagoski's
2: mm-hmm. been a staple on power plays in yeah, yeah, I know. Arizona. That's and Dallas why I to For me, like, years.
1: still, Brodeen might be the guy that gets kind of the short shrift, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, Anything else that we, uh, we haven't gotten to yet? You um, want to talk about our weight loss? How skinny not really. we both are? You're, you look skinnier than <laughs> me. I still I look <laughs> no. like... You do. You,
2: look at I've you. we have man boobs still. Di- we're working different, on that, you're, different,
1: uh, you're a different human being than you were uh, last time we did a podcast. I feel like a different human. We're all...
2: You know, the last time we did a podcast, going back to the pandemic, was from California. Yep. I
1: think have we're, we're all, even, all know different all we, human beings since you know then. We, have we talked about him? I don't think we really we haven't. haven't. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the kid. First of all, he's from Florida. Yeah, most of important course. Thing. Um, but no, look, uh, look, it's very clear that they came into camp expecting him to make the team because he was the guy for four straight days. that was on that Sturm Bukes line to start training camp. Yep. Remember the other guys that got looks there, it was like one practice and they were off one practice and they were off this guy. And he, they always went back to it, um, but he could fly. And this is what I have. I mean, I've been a broken record. Almost begging the wild for years. Like, why are you always going out and signing, you know, third and fourth liners to three year deals at two, two and a half million when you can? This is where you can elevate guys and yep. promote guys and throw guys a bone this is what Iowa was supposed to be for it doesn't always have to be for the top top prospects like boldy beckman and rossi you know the goal is to get the Bittens here the drews here the doers here the you know the mason shaw's here and here do comes him and and what i liked what billy Garen said the other day is that there's you know do him might have there's certain guys that just you, you've in the ahl you're going to hit that key, Peak of what you could be as an AHL player where guys sometimes Come to the NHL and are much better Players at this level than they are down there And Duhane really could be that one Like they should not just pigeonhole him As being a fourth line left wing He is somebody that can clearly he's got The speed the physicality and the hands To play up in the lineup so I really think That we're going to be talking about Brandon Duhane Being an impactful player over time in this Or in this lineup well and the size too I mean yeah.
2: he's you know you talk about his speed He's probably one of the two or three fast this guy's on this team straight-line speed. Mm-hmm. And he's not – you know, Kevin Fiala would be in that mix, but Kevin Fiala's what, 5'10", 5'11". Brandon Duhame's 6'1", 2'10". I mean, he's he's got good size. I know, you know, Billy loves him. Uh, someone who showed off some of that offensive skill, too, was it in the uh, the Blues game. Yeah, Came flying down the, the left wing and, you know, picked a corner. And uh, I couldn't have been more impressed with what I saw from him. And I'm not really surprised because – I remember talking to Chuck Fletcher two GMs ago uh, for a prospect story I was doing, and his name came up. And Chuck loved him. And this is the exact sort of role that he saw Duham one day fitting into was sort of the third, fourth line, you know, speedy left wing, finishes his checks, kills penalties, does all this stuff. Um, I know Paul Fenton really liked him. I know Billy loves him. I mean, you get three different sets of eyes that come in here and say the exact same thing about a guy at some point you have to you know, believe it. And we've seen it really for the first time this year throughout camp and practice. Uh, couldn't have been more impressed with just the way he plays and a guy, by the way, too, not afraid to drop the mitts. We saw mm-hmm. him have two fights. And I know talking to uh, Joe O'Donnell, uh, who's watched in the last two years in Iowa, A guy that's not a shrinking violet when it comes to mm-hmm. defending teammates. He's been stepping up and defending Marcus Foligno. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see what this kid can do. It's another one of these options that we've talked about that you start him on the fourth line, but you can move him up. He's got a little bit of skill. He's got speed. He's got size. He does a little bit of everything and a guy who I think is going to carve out a nice role. And we've talked too about, you know, in the next two or three years, how much we need, uh, you know, or the wild needs guys like Boldy and Beckman and Rossi. They're also going to need guys like Duhame Mm -hmm. and Dewar and Drew uh, and Bitten, these guys to fill these third and fourth line roles. If you can do that, it's going to create more flexibility and more opportunity to spend some of that money uh, at the places where you really, really need it.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how good he is. Impactful. I like that. It seems like he has a good head on his shoulders as well.
2: Very mature. Yeah. He's he's a rookie, but he's 24, 25
1: years old. When he sat in front of us in that presser episode, after making the team, there was not somebody that thought the that that looked like a guy that felt like the journey was over. Right, he mm-hmm. he made it very clear. Like I'm, I know I could be in Iowa tomorrow. Like like he was not taking it for granted. He just wants to keep on moving forward. Um, and cool. a great story. I mean, this is a guy that that I mean, it's from South Florida, right? I mean, his but best friend is Jacob Chikrin. a good guy. Then. So Ch- Chikrin sent me a photo yesterday after my story ran. Um, that I'll eventually use, uh, but it's this awesome photo from 2003. Where so 2003? Let me do some quick math. How when was he born, Duham? Uh in He's 24. Yep. So, so that's 97 yeah, or 18 so. years ago. Um. No. To, was it 2003? That can't be. Um, 2003
2: was a great year. It's the year yeah. I graduated from high school.
1: Um. I don't think that. So, no, 97 to so 2003, I guess they could be six in this picture. I'll show you the picture after and you could tell me. If this looks <laughs> like a six-year-old. Yeah, I guess these guys are six. Definitely. All right. Yeah. Uh, I thought they were old in this picture. But they're holding these trophies at Incredible Ice where I uh, used to cover the Panthers. They're a practice facility down there. And second from the left is a uh, little blonde headed Jacob Chickren. Uh, second, who has from the, turned
2: into an incredible
1: oh yeah. player, by the way. And second from the last, wait till Brandon do. I'm sure he's seen this picture. But second from the left on the back is Brandon Duham, and he is tiny, and he's just holding this picture. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. Far left in the photo, uh, Trevor Duham, coach. Mm-hmm. Trevor Duham, Brandon's dad. Far right of the photo, photo Jeff Chickren, coach Chickren. Jacob Chickren's dad. Pretty good. I I enjoyed your story that you wrote
2: on Duhame a couple weeks ago. So this Uh, will be a cool story to write. It's always fun to cheer for these guys, you know, from afar that come from sort of these unusual backgrounds. And as you know, you know, you covered hockey in the state of Florida back in the nineties, how far a state like that has come and how far, you know, states like California, and we see Austin Matthews, you know, coming from Arizona. Uh, it's only going to make the sport better. And, you know, Jason Zucker coming from Nevada. It, it's it's only going to make this sport better, you know, as we kind of diversify and see these guys coming in. And, and each one of these guys has a, a really cool story. And I, I'm partial to a guy like Brandon Duhane because he's a college player. And I, I love watching these guys come up uh, and have the success. But a guy who's mature, 24 years old, yep. rookie, uh, two years of pro experience. Uh, he'll be a fun one to watch develop no, here over that, the that course of the season.
1: So here's a quote from Jacob Chikorin. He goes, I'm super happy to see Dewey made the wild. Um, he goes, uh, to see his hard work pay off is really special. He's so deserving and earned this opportunity to play in the NHL. I'm really proud of him. Pretty good pretty good comment from Jacob Chikorin, who's going to be a superstar defenseman in the you league.
2: Know, one of the things that I think the league, I don't know how much time you want this to go, uh, but one of the things that I'm starting to see with the league is a guy like Brandon Duhame, you know, he wasn't a top six guy when he was at Providence College. Now, he had that yeah. ability, but he was playing in a third-line role. And I, the reason I bring this up is because uh, the team I follow closely, Minnesota State, uh, had a guy named Walker Dewar last year who played fourth-line. He was a fourth-liner at Minnesota State. He's a very good fourth-liner. And he signed with Calgary. And he was in Calgary's camp until very, very late. And it's, it's interesting to see. We talk about these guys – you know Ryan Carter being a perfect example of a guy who had to adapt his game from how he was a scorer in college and a skilled guy in college to having to carve out a fourth line role just mm-hmm. to stick in the mm-hmm. league. And you see guys like Brandon Duhame or Walker Dewar uh, who played these roles already in college. And that transition, I think, is a lot easier when you've done it for three or four years in college. And now you just keep kind of that same mentality uh, going to the pro game. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of that in, in years to come where, you know, some of these franchises start looking at some of these third or fourth line yeah. guys in college, but yeah. they have particular skill sets with Walker Dewar and with Brandon Duhame. It's their speed size combination, their ability to kill penalties to see if they'll get maybe more opportunity Uh, to play professional hockey here in North America, then maybe we would have seen collegiate third or fourth liners a decade ago again
1: yeah i mean it's a good it's a good valid point and because you know the one thing about uh nhl players is that if you reach this level you scored somewhere right yep. i mean stefan was a 115 point scorer Correct. at valdor but he
2: had to adapt his and, game he to to, st- and he
1: wound up having a really successful career and um you know now we're starting to see more guys that, i mean brand newham didn't even kill in college which is just crazy mm-hmm. to me um the guy that, are, has, that
2: did, by the mm-hmm. way, if you look at his statistical numbers, everywhere he's gone, he's gotten better every single year, yeah. which I, I think yeah. is another thing to look at, too, with his development yeah. going forward. He's gotten better everywhere he's gone, and he's he's going to continue to develop yeah. here, I think.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting, like a guy like Rem Pitlick, who's scored everywhere he's been, can he bring that to the NHL level in the role, or will he have to actually adapt, or does he have the body to adapt? Like, you can't ask him to play. In some of know? these
2: guys, it's, yeah. do you have the desire
1: yeah. to adapt? I mean, let's be honest. There's ego there. Yep. You know, if you
2: if you're a guy that scored 25 yep. goals in college or you know scored 100 points in juniors, do you want to have to you know be a guy that has to you know kill penalties or drop the mitts or you know play eight minutes yep. a night? You know, it, it's it's not easy to do, and that's why I think we're going to see more guys that come from that background uh, that aren't going to have to change or adapt their games much, but they have a certain skill set.
1: Uh, we're going to see those guys, I think, more opportunities in the future. That makes sense. So with so the Olympic teams coming up, you know, sometimes we always say, are right, you going to have these fourth liners that are actually superstars and superstars in the league? Maybe it actually is smarter to put a Ryan Hartman on the fourth yeah. line in the Olympics rather than, you know, like a, you know, a star you know, player on another team, but he has no chance of playing in that top three role. So you got to put him in there, you know? Well, how
2: much did you just look at that game last night, Lightning Penguins, the season opener, how much did they talk about? I think John Cooper, you know, has talked about this too, is how much they missed that third line. As good as that Tampa team is, they lost their entire third line. And you look at championship teams from the past several years, almost, you know, To a man, these teams have a third or fourth line identity that is strong. Uh, You know, guys that play out their entry level contracts on the cheap and then they end up going somewhere and getting a bigger role elsewhere. Brandon Mm -hmm. Duhame can be that kind of guy, I think. uh, Someone who can really carve out. Uh, you know, kind of that third or fourth line niche, be someone who's really hard to play against. And if Minnesota can cultivate a couple of those guys now over the next couple of years, they could have uh, you know similar success in terms of having that kind of heart and soul third or fourth line that kills penalties. Uh, you know, that are are staples on Stanley Cup winning teams nowadays. Right? You have to with the salary cap. There's no, no choice.
1: Well, Dan, uh, thanks for coming over and doing this uh, this podcast. I feel bad. I absolutely forgot that I asked for Twitter questions and. Uh, and maybe I'll use some of those Twitter questions in my other podcast tonight. <laughs> I completely forgot to go through Twitter and ask you a bunch of these. But. Ask, like, pick one right now. Let's do um, one. So Let's, well, here's <laughs> one that, uh, that you and I have discussed that Great. is the first one I saw. Any chance the Wild go after Carson Susie with him not playing in Seattle? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. They have the cap space, uh, but it's one game. Yeah, like, they're game. trying to figure out their blue line. Susie, if you dig into Susie's numbers last year, he had an unbelievable year. So good, and, and uh, that was a
2: that was a. You can't tell me underrated that, loss. Yeah, you can't level.
1: tell me that Susie is not one of the top six defensemen. It's in amazing in to Seattle. think
2: about the guys, and I know plus minus is a flawed statistic. Especially over a game or two, but when you look at it over a fifty-six game sample mm-hmm. size, it pretty much evens out. The Wild's third pair last year led this team in plus-minus. It's it's almost mm-hmm. unheard of, is it not?
1: Yeah, I mean it. You know, they're very rarely yeah.
2: you see those guys. You know, you know, a good third pair usually you might get like plus five, plus six. These guys were like plus twenty-two. Yeah. In a fifty-six game season, they were really good, um, and it's going to be hard to replace. That's another thing too. When you talk about that third pair, they're stepping into some pretty big skates. But I'm with you. That Seattle's going to mix and match on that blue line. They have so many different guys back there. It's going to be a strength of that team. He's going to get a shot there eventually, and I wouldn't be surprised one bit if you know once he gets into the lineup, he doesn't come back out.
1: Uh, Daniel, ask who gets the first call up this season and why. If it's up front, I bet Beckman. I agree.
2: I, I think he earned it in training camp. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think Boldy um, would have been in that position had he not been, uh not been unfortunately injured. But Yeah. I, by sure. the way, I think they, I think the Wild caught a break. I think Matt Boldy caught a break, too. That looked ugly. That could have been some sort of mm-hmm. high ankle sprain that they could have lingered it all year yeah, long.
1: Yeah, they thought it was going to be bad. Um, hmm. Anything else good? Yeah, there's a bunch of them, but there's so many, and it's hard. Well, you know, maybe the, way, the, the way Twitter is now, too, you can't. Well, and you're so popular on Twitter. That well, no, but they like things just aren't like, you know, the whole show more stuff and they sort of are out of order now. I don't get like the new update on Twitter. Well, Now you can use them course. all for your next meaty mailbag. This was a good podcast, Dan Myers. Uh, enjoy your flight on the team charter. Uh, and you to enjoy Aon yours tomorrow. as well
2: be nice to get in the uh, Southern California sun. It will
1: be. It will be. Maybe I'll see you in Newport Beach tomorrow night. We'll see. Probably. Uh, But uh, yeah, thanks for everybody for listening to Straight from the Source. And let's take uh, one more quick break.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: Lots of podcasts this week on The Athletic. Bill Daly, the Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, is with uh, Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly this week on The Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports and Jesse Granger and Sarah Sivian have the debut episode of The Athletic Hockey Show Wednesday this week at The Athletic. And thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a rating and review. Subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network start with a 30-day free trial then just 99 cents per month after that and right now all annual subscriptions to the athletic are 50 percent off when you visit theathletic.com straight from the source thanks everybody